Lighthouse Powerhouse. If you put your hands together for Pastor Adele. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mel. How are we, guys? Are we well? Good to be in the house of God, isn't it? Awesome. And we made it another week. Here we are, another week of climbing COVID cases, close contacts and close calls. But we're here and we're seeking God together. And well done for getting yourself in the house of God. And to you guys online as well, well done for tuning in and continuing to position yourself under the word of God and position yourself around the people of God because it's so important and especially in trying times, isn't it? This certainly isn't the time to pull back. It's the time to push forward. So well done, guys. And like I think Pastor Jacob mentioned last week, this, this is certainly a time, particularly for my generation, um, like no other. We've never really faced a time like this. You know, we get reports of on the news of the war in Europe, um, natural disasters, floods that are just wrecking people's lives. Um, and of course, the, the COVID, the ongoing COVID news that we face, not to mention the personal stuff that each and every one of us go through. Which brings me quite promptly to the title of my message this morning, which is a question in the storm. A question in the storm. Because I don't know about you, but I found that it's during the, the storms of life, it's during the difficult times of life that, that these questions begin to arise within me. Deep, heartfelt, and sincere questions. You know, when everything is, is going relatively well in life, <laughs> When everything's quite pleasant, I'm just, you know, you, you get on with life, you enjoy the blessings of God and why not. And these deep questions don't really press on me that much. But it's during the storms of life that we, the, these, these questions arise within us. And I believe it's because during these, these times, during these difficult seasons in our life, we need something to, to assure our hearts, don't we? We need something to bring us hope and assurance. We need to know that there's meaning to what we're going through. We need to know that the pain that we experience, there's a higher purpose for it. It's not just for nothing. And we ask questions in the hope that we'll find answers. We ask questions in the hope to find answers and gain information that will bring our head and our hearts hope and assurance that we can weather and continue to weather the storms of our life. Questions for God. And, you know, I don't think questions for God are bad. They're not bad. When we're sincerely seeking to know God, when we're sincerely seeking to learn the heart of the Father, when, we, when we're sincerely exploring our faith and even our doubts, questions for God are not bad. And I believe, I don't know about you, but I believe God is big enough to handle our questions. In fact, I think probably God expects our questions. Because when we read the Bible, we understand that the, the people in the Bible who had an immensely rich relationship with God had questions for him. We read King David in his Psalms, in his lament Psalms. God, why aren't you doing it this way, God? <laughs> why aren't you doing it this way? Why have you turned your face from me, God? Why aren't I see you working like this, God? Abraham, when? God, when? When will the promises of God come to pass in my life? And then we have Moses. Why me, God? <laughs> Why have you chosen me to experience and go through this experience, God? And of course, I'm taking some liberties there. And the disciples, 
they had a question in a literal storm, didn't they? And we read that in Mark 4, 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. <laughs> the disciples woke him shout and shout, teacher, do you not care that we're going to drown? Do you not care? Can you not see what's happening, God? Do you not care? And the questions that have, I have asked in the storms of my life has been along these lines. But they tend to go more like this. Are you still with me, God? Do you still love me, God? Do you still love me, God? And I don't know, maybe you can relate to me a little this morning. It might have been in recent times with what's going on. You've looked out on the wreckage of the world and said, God, are you still with us? God, do you still love us? Or you might have looked in at the difficultness of your own situation and asked the same question. Are you still with me, God? Do you still love me, God? As I said, we ask questions in the hope to find answers, don't we? In the hope to find information. So let's allow God's voice to answer a question for us this morning. Let's hear God's voice. And my prayer is as we turn to scripture and as we hear from God, it will bring the hope and assurance that your heart needs this morning. And we're going to be looking at the book of Romans today, which as we know, um, was, ri was um, writing, which was inspired by the Holy Spirit, we know that, yet it was penned by a man who I believe would have asked God many, many questions on his journey, the Apostle Paul. Who are you, Lord? was his first interaction, was his first um, sentence to Jesus. Who are you, Lord? And that's always a good place to start, isn't it? So in the book of Romans, um, we'll turn to chapter 8, verse 35, and, and the Apostle Paul asks this question, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? And we've all had a bit of trouble on our doorstep, haven't we? Or calamity, we see a lot of calamity in the world right now or persecuted, or hungry, or destitute. Again, we're seeing people destitute. We're people, um, seeing people not being able to get the basic needs met, or in danger, or threatened with death. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? And this is an invitation here for us to explore this question. Is there anything that can remove me, disconnect me, divorce me from the love of God? Is there anything I can experience in my life that would indicate that God no longer loves me? Is there anything? Even if the unthinkable happens, even when we see people fleeing war, running for their lives, when, when we see people sick with COVID and, and natural disasters and all these things we've mentioned, unexpected situations in our life, divorce, a difficult diagnosis, a death of a loved one, even if the unthinkable happens, does this somehow mean, does it somehow indicate that I have been removed from the love of Christ? Well, luckily for us, Paul goes on to answer the question for us. In verse 37, he says, no, thank God, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. And he further adds, and I am convinced that nothing can ever 
separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Now, I think he about just about covered everything there, didn't he? I can't think of anything else. He just about <laughs> covered everything there. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. And what a beautiful truth for our hearts to be able to hold on to. Now, before we, we I just want to draw a few more things out of, of that scripture. And before we do, I just want us to understand a little bit of the context around the book of Romans. So Rome at the time um, was a place where house churches um, were beginning. And these house churches consisted of both Jewish converted Christians, Jewish people who had converted to Christianity, and non-Jewish Christians as well. Um, persecution began to break out a little bit from the Roman empires. Um, uh, under the Emperor Claudius, all Jewish people got expelled from Rome for a time, and that included Jewish Christians as well. He was scared of an uprising. He expelled all Jewish people. And it was, um, it was in that time when there was no Jewish people in Rome that the, the Gentile Christians like say, be, took, took lead of the church, took control over the Church of Christ within Rome. Emperor Claudius dies, all the Jewish people come back to church, come back to Rome. As they come back to the church, they find that they're not the leaders anymore. <laughs> they've kind of, you know, the, the Gentile Christians, they've kindly taken over in their absence. And it, so it's on their return, it's as they're trying to assimilate back into the church and church life, um, that questions begin to get asked and arguments. And um, how does this all fit in now? And, and questions, uh, particularly around Old Testament law, of the Jewish people were very familiar with the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. Um, righteousness was a big one. Circumcision, as we know. Faith, Jesus. How does it all fit together now? All these questions, well, how does it all fit together? And when we see these were just everyday, normal people like us who love Jesus, they'd given their allegiance to Jesus. They love Jesus, but they were still experiencing life, right? They were still experiencing life. And the struggles and the pain and the trials. And they're trying to figure all this out in reference to their new faith and the relationship with Jesus Christ. How does it all work? How does it all fit in? So Paul writes to the church in Rome into this situation to try and address some of this. And he writes to once again reveal the gospel message of Jesus Christ. To, to keep them united around a single focus, Jesus Christ. He writes to grow their strength and their faith, and he writes to bring hope and assurance to the hearts of people who had questions. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound what we might need um, today? Well, hopefully these three things we can um, look into and take away from the scripture this morning. So the first one I want us to look at is truth. There is a truth. There is a truth, an eternal truth, that you are loved by God. You are loved by God. You was loved, you are loved, and you will be loved by God into all of eternity. Jeremiah 31.3 says this, Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, Now, if you're in Christ, you've been grafted into the family of Christ. So this means you. You're part of uh, the children of God, the family of God, Israel. 
Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. You know, we just sang that song, Resurrection. What a beautiful song. You know, Jesus is alive. He is alive and he is loving you right now. Right now. And he will love you for all of eternity. And there is nothing you can experience, like we've already um, seen, there's nothing you can experience. There's not your worries, not your fears. There is no power in this earth that can separate that love for you. The truth is, you are loved by God. And this love, it's not just a nice idea. It's not abstract. It's not something just to make us feel nice. Because if we remember the scripture said, it's been revealed to us. All right, it's been made known to us. It's been revealed. So how has it been revealed to us? Well, it was revealed to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So how can I see God's love in action for me? I can look to Jesus. How can I know and experience God's love for myself through my personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Believing in and living from the love of Christ. We look to the cross at what he's done for us. I love this, um, what the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, and if we can get that slide up, ma'am. Thank you. Jesus was on the cross, nailed, bleeding, dying, looking down on the people who had betrayed and forsaken him. And in the greatest act of love in the history of the universe, he stayed. <laughs> he stayed. Mm. He loved you enough to stay. He loved you enough to stay in the agony and the shame and the torment until it was finished. Finished. So every day it could continue to stay with you. Every day, all the days of your life and into eternity. Do you see his faithful love? didn't fail us when it mattered the most. Do you see that? His faithful love didn't fail us then. And his faithful love is not going to fail us now. I love this scripture from Isaiah 54. <coughs> Excuse me. It says this. Isaiah 54:10. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear. But even then, my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessings will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. God's love has approached you in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we accept that, when we accept Jesus, we can experience a very real, powerful love given by a very real and personal Savior. So we have truth, and we move on to our next point, which might not be so nice to hear, <laughs> and that's struggle. <laughs> so we've gone from floating on the love of God to, oh, struggle. <laughs> we have a truth, and then comes a struggle. Because do you know the truth of God, the Word of God is always going to be challenged in your life. 
is always going to be challenged in your life. There comes a struggle in life for you to hold on to that word of God. Pastor Mel um, shared um, last week in her awesome sermon that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what's one of the things he comes to steal? The word of God that's been planted in our hearts, right? We remember the, um, the, the parable of the sower, you know? Um, the evil one comes and snatches away the seed, the word of God that was planted. Um, but people didn't really understand it. And the, and the enemy was able to come and snatch it from their hearts. That's his, um, th- that's his operation. That's what he does. And this is where the struggle comes in. Because what's one of his ways? What's one of his main ways that he tries to do that? Through the struggle and the pain in our life, isn't it? When we're at our, our weakest, in our weakest moments, and Paul mentions some of the stuff, trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger, destitute, death, danger. When we're in the thick of it, and some of you might have experienced when you're in the thick of it, the devil comes with his own questions, right? The devil comes with his, with his own questions. Did God really say that he loved you? Do you think you can really trust God? Did Jesus even really come? Did, is Jesus even really real? Yeah, these questions he throws at us in the middle of our storm. And this is where the struggle comes in for us, guys. This is where the struggle comes in to hold on to the truth in your heart and not to let the evil one snatch it away. You know, the book of Timothy tells us we've got to fight. We've got to fight a good fight of faith. And, that look, and, and when he comes with these questions, it's like, I know what I'm experiencing, but I know God loves me because I've seen, he sent Jesus Christ for me. I know what the, the devil is trying to tell me and put into my head, but all I need to do is look to the cross of Jesus to know that that's a lie because Jesus stayed there for you. Jesus stayed there for you. So you don't have to do this life alone. You don't have to go through the storms alone. You don't have to go through the pain alone. Because he loves you, he came, he stayed, he died, he rose, and he gives you the victory to get through anything you're going to have to face in life. And what's the victory? He's with us. He's with us. He's with us. So we can experience joy, hope, and peace in any situation. If the unthinkable happens, we have Jesus Christ with us. We can still experience peace and hope. Nothing in your past, present, or future is ever going to separate you from the love of God. But it's so important where our focus is in our storms. And I know a lot of you have probably heard this, but it's so important where our focus is. We don't look to the storm We look to Jesus, right? We don't look to the devil's lies. We look to the cross of Jesus Christ. It's so important where our focus is. And just in these times, um, I think it's also important to to mention if, 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 if nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, as we're looking out on the world and the wreckage and the devastation, we need to know that nothing can separate others from the love of Christ as well. Those that actually might be living the unthinkable right now, right? Those who are fleeing for their lives with the children. Those who have nothing left from natural disasters. They're trying to rebuild their life. Those who are sick from COVID or have loved ones sick from COVID. We need to know that God is with them. The love of God is with them. And it's holding them, comforting them, and bringing them through. Even those who start wars. 
even those who start wars, those who we find difficult to love, yeah? God's love is reaching for them. And we want to pray it finds them <laughs> because that's the only thing powerful enough to permanently transform a person's heart. Amen? God's love reaches for us all in the person of Jesus Christ. And we can see this, right? We can practically see this because in the midst of, of devastation, in the midst of heartbreak, what do we see? We see unspeakable acts of love by people, right? We see unspeakable acts of love given by people. We see people rushing to borders to feed people and clothe people and keep their children warm. We see people giving their time and the resources to help rebuild someone's life. The love of God is with us and working in us and working through us. You know, it's the same chapter in Romans that tells us. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God will work everything for good. Is it, does everything we go through, is that good? No, that's not called good. We live in a fallen world. Jesus says, in this world we will have trials and sorrows. That's what Jesus calls it. He says, but take heart. Take heart because I have overcome the world. Be encouraged, take heart, have hope, because you can experience joy and peace and love in every situation. There is nothing in this earth, nothing you experience that can separate my love for you. So take heart. And as we hold this truth close to our hearts, he is working all things together for good in our lives. All things together for good, which means... Which means not only does he um, comfort us in the, in the storm, does he sustain us, does he bring us through. He, he takes every piece of our pain, every piece of our pain, and he redeems it into something beautiful. We sang that song. You know, he makes um, beauty for ashes. He redeems every piece of our pain, and he turns it into something beautiful to be a blessing to others. He works all things for good. I just want us to, to zoom in on, on something here um, for a moment because I believe that this might help us in our struggle and it might help us keep the focus when it's important. It's our same <coughs> chapter. Are we, are we doing good, everyone? Are we good? All right, we've got a few more scripture, but we're doing good. Hold on. All right. <laughs> it's that same chapter in Mo Romans, chapter 8, which tells us Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying for us in our time of weakness. Jesus and the Holy Spirit pray for us. Oh, it's up. So chapter 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. When we can't even speak, God's helping us. When we can't even form words, God is helping us. Chapter 34 then says, who then will condemn us? It's another question, perhaps for another sermon. <laughs> no one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit praying and interceding for us in our time of weakness. And that's why, guys, that's why we can be confident for all things will work together for good. Not because of anything we can do, not because of any amazing prayer we can pull out the bag in the midst of the storm. <laughs> it's believing that Jesus 
and the Holy Spirit are praying for us and interceding for us and working all things together for good. Now, I want us to take us to a picture. Um, just don't put it up yet, Mel. I'll, I'll tell you when. I'm going to take us to a picture in the Old Testament just to maybe give us some imagery, imagery and help us see this. Um, this picture is of um, Moses, Aaron, and Ur in the battle of the Israelites and the Amal- Amalekites. However, um, and some of you will probably already be familiar with this story, but uh, you know the Israelites and the Amalekites, they're, they're in a battle, Joshua's leading the war, and, and Moses is instructed to go up on a cliff and hold his arms up over the scene of the war, and as his arms are raised, then the battle's being won. The Israelites are winning the battle. But as soon as his arms get tired and he drops his arms, they begin to lose the battle. So I'll just pick it up in Exodus 17:12. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Ur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of the Amalekite in battle. And we can put that picture up if you would, Mel. Um, So here we just have a picture of it. Um, And you know, for a long time, I used to think that the, this was only um, a, a story in history, but, but it showed us how others come around us to support us in our time of weakness, which on one level, that's true, because we need one another, don't we? And, th- and that's true, and that's a beautiful picture. We need others in life and in our storms. But there's something more spiritually significant happening here. Aaron, the high priest, who represents Jesus Christ, the high priest. Ur in Hebrew means light, who represents the Holy Spirit. So you see in our hardest battles, we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit right by our side, holding us up, praying for us, winning the battle for us, interceding for us. Should we ever question the presence and the love of God in our life? He's right by us. But one more thing I want you to notice, guys. Look at the position and the posture of Moses. Both arms raised. What does that represent? Surrender. Surrender. Moses in complete surrender to the presence and the love and the work of God in his life. He's realized he can't do it on his own. He's tried. He got tired. He wanted to give up. He surrendered. He surrendered to the work of God in his life. Will we, like Moses, take the posture of surrender in our life? Will we, like Moses, surrender to the love and the presence of God in our life so we, like Moses, can display the power of God in our lives? What posture will we take in the storm? And as we hold, you can come up, guys, if that's, I'm out of time. Thank you. As we hold on to this truth, 